I like it spooky. Hey everybody, welcome to the I Like It Spooky Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. And I'm Clint. And it's July. And I put up my 12-foot skeleton just to piss off my homeowners association. Hell yeah. I need to put mine up. You took it down, didn't you? Yeah, I did because I didn't want to go to jail. (laughs) The homeowners association around here is ruthless, man. I guess, man. In with the mafia? Sending people to jail for putting up skeletons? That's some bullshit. They need to relax. All right, well, let's get into the news. So Ghostbusters Afterlife 2, I guess, has been greenlit. Going to be coming out December 2023. Uh, Looks like they're going to go back to Manhattan. Because if you guys remember at the end of Afterlife 1, it goes back to Winston buying the firehouse again. Looks pretty exciting. Hopefully they have the same cast like all the kids. Weren't they from New York originally and then they moved out there? They were from somewhere out east. No, they were. They, I'm pretty sure they were from New York. It was uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Spangler's daughter and grandkids. And Spangler had taken off to, I forget, you know, Iowa, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Iowa or something like, like that. Kansas just, or something. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> you just said Iowa because that's close to us. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Like yeah. nowhere. <laughs> no, that's coming out December 2023, like I said, just so everybody knows. But I'm excited for it. I liked the last one. Kind of fun to see where they go from here. Hopefully, they'll get the original cast coming back again. Or I don't know how everybody feels about that because that was kind of like a one-time thing. That was fun, but it would be nice to see it again. So you're saying I have until December 2023 to catch up on the movie I haven't seen yet. You haven't even seen Afterlife? No, haven't seen it yet. Wow, I own the digital copy. Like, I've shared it with you. You have access to it. Okay, wow. I'm busy watching uh, John Waters movies. Oh, Lord. Really? (laughs) I can't argue with that, but I tell you what, Afterlife is, is a good movie. And of course, anything that comes out anymore, it seems like everybody either loves it or hates it. But it seems like there was more people that loved Afterlife than didn't. Uh, but me personally, I it was a great movie, a great movie, and I just hope that they can keep the uh, the same entertainment and quality. And this sounds weird, but like emotional impact, you know what I mean? That from Afterlife and carry it over, that it doesn't get watered down. Yeah, watch watch the movie, Brian. You will not be disappointed. Uh, also, Terrifier Two is finally coming out this fall. Uh, It's been pretty anticipated for a while. Um, I don't think there's a release date yet, but I mean, hell, we're halfway through the year. So I think I heard something about Halloween coming out. Uh, The return of Art the Clown still going to be, I think it's still written and directed by Damien Leone, who did the original Terrifier. I'm excited for that. Terrifier is a fun one to watch. I love seeing the Art the Clown cosplays. Midwest Monster Fest, the guy who plays Art the Clown is coming. So hopefully it's the same guy. I should have done a little bit more research into that, but that'll be cool that that's coming out about the time where we're going to meet him. You say you thought Terrifier was fun, like the part where he hangs that girl upside down, cuts her in half. That was fun. The funnest part. That was, that was, that was great. <laughs> that was great. I was watching it with my daughter and she's like, oh my God, no, <laughs> she can't. Like it's, it was a fun movie, like all together, like art was creepy as shit. It's a great classic character already. That part where he's in the, 
eating they're eating pizza, you know, in that little pizza joint, and he's just sitting there being real creepy. Yeah, I was like, that's that's the creepiest part to me. Like, that's just odd. Just sitting there staring at him and that big plastic bag. All right, what else we got, boys? Well, I don't know if you guys have heard the news, but Joe Bob and the Last Drive-In is coming back to Shutter for season five. Got the end of season four. Who is Joe Bob? I'm kind of a Joe Bob fan, Darcy fan. I mean, I don't know. They're all right. I've I've met them before. And I watched their show. You know, maybe sent them some mail and bought some records and plushies, and they may have read my letter on the show. Stuff like that. I mean, I'm not too big of a fan. No, no, not at all. That was a cool moment. So, ten episodes again, probably, and some uh, specials in between. Probably get three or four specials every year around a holiday. So you know what I'll be doing on Friday nights for those 10 weeks besides passing out on the couch at midnight because I'm old, 2 a.m. is too late. So I do have to admit it. I've become way more of a fan. I think just because of you posting everything, doing everything, every Friday night it's like, oh, got to watch Joe Bob. Like this, this week we were watching the Stranger Things final part of the season. And I'm like, oh, like right when this is over, I got to turn on Joe Bob. I got to see what they're watching. So I've never made it through a whole episode yet because I too am old and work day shift and go to bed early. So staying up till like 2 a.m. is tough. Yeah, I know. I'm excited for season five also. I'm glad it's coming back. Well, you don't have to turn on Joe Bob to see what they're watching. You just follow the I Like It Spooky podcast socials and I post what they're watching every episode. Right after they announce it. Here it is. Everybody knows. I'll tell you a secret. I have a couple of uh, things like already typed up, saved in my Twitter, like with all the people tagged and everything. I'm sure you do. Just got to add the picture and the name and you're ready to go. Hell yeah. So I, I must admit that um, I've been watching more Joe Bob also, and it's because I've been drinking Brian's Kool-Aid. So and it, it's not that I ever, I, I don't dislike Joe Bob. I, I loved Monster Vision on TNT, but I was just never... Oh my God, I got to watch this episode this week, you know, but um, typically Friday nights, Melissa and I, we have a shutter in the bedroom and when it's time to go to bed, we talk and we try to find a movie and that's what we fall asleep to. And it's just, instead of trying to find something, we just, well, hell, Joe Bob's on. So that's been going on lately. But I tell you what, since on the, the last episode of the podcast here, we announced the winner of our giveaway. I think maybe now we should do another, but do like a, do like a collection where maybe we take up money so for Christmas we can get Brian a, a giant Joe Bob tattoo on his back. Yeah. <laughs> like a portrait. That would be cool. There you go, everybody. Send money now. Or I could just get the last drive-in logo across my shoulders. Nope. Nope. Entire Joe Bob. That would take your fandom to stalker status. They would not let you do I'll ask him in uh, Burlington if he thinks that's a good idea. <laughs> And, and watch his reaction and study it. And based off, if he gets a big smile or something, go with it. Hell, I'll, I'll chip in. We'll get you a Christmas present. Well, building on what Jason was talking about, there, there's been quite a bit of um, movie release news as of late. 
um, a whole bunch of movie releases coming out. Like, for example, um, Hocus Pocus 2, which has a trailer out now. Uh, that's reported to start streaming on Disney Plus um, on September 30th. Um, Apartment 7A has been announced. Um, that's going to be coming out soon, directed by Natalie Erica James, uh, who brought us Relic. And Apartment 7A is generating some buzz as potentially being a prequel to Roman Polanski's Rosemary's Baby. So th that'll be interesting because there's obviously a history. If you've seen Rosemary's Baby, there's a history in that building with that group of people before Rosemary got there. I'm a sucker for prequels as long as it's written well. So, Also, if you have little ones or if you, know, you could be a fan if you're older, why the hell not? I still like My Little Pony. So Nickelodeon and Paramount have announced a live-action Monster High flick coming this Halloween season. specific date on that but a couple more here is um this actually revisits a question that was asked to us by robert costo back on episode 17 of the i like a spooky podcast um and that's when robert asked us if we knew anything about another ring movie coming out and at the time we told him no i told him no i haven't heard of anything but um fantasia international film festival has announced that there will be a new entry in the ring franchise uh, and it's titled, how do you pronounce the, is it Sadako? Sadako? Well, if you're a fan, you know what I'm talking about. It's Sadako. So this new ring is going to be titled Sadako or Sadako DX. Uh, it's a Japanese-made film, and it will be a direct sequel to 2019's Sadako, which was a sequel to The Ring 2. That movie's got a crazy, crazy timeline trying to connect the dots, and then some are made in Japan, and some are made in the States, and trying to link them all up. There will be. A new ring movie. But the one that I'm most excited about is um, Rob Zombie's brother, who is the front man for Power Man 5000, Spider One. He has released a trailer for his upcoming directorial debut in the movies called Allegoria. And that debuts on Shutter and on demand August 2nd. So this one looks pretty cool. It's going to be uh, interesting to see if he has. Uh, this is an argument within itself. Some people think Rob Zombie has talent making films. Some people think you know, he doesn't. Um, I think it's kind of hit or miss. But regardless, he keeps putting movies out. It'll be interesting to see if his brother has the, the same talent. But uh, Spider-1, his movie, Algoria, says it's going to be about a group of artists' lives that become unwittingly entangled as their obsessions and insecurities manifest monsters, demons, and death. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see that. And it's coming out on Shutter, so for me it's free. Well, kinda. I gotta pay for Shutter, but that's a lot to take in and comment about. Uh starting with Hocus Pocus. I'm excited that that's coming out to streaming so you don't have to go to the theater with all the freaking kids that are gonna be there. I don't have Disney Plus though, so I don't know. Maybe I'll do like the free trial thing because I have to watch that movie. I just I have to. Yeah, it'll be a lot of people that saw Hocus Pocus when they were younger taking their kids to see Hocus Pocus 2. And what were a couple of the other movies you said after that, after Hocus Pocus? This one doesn't have a release date, but Apartment 7A, which is um, potentially the prequel to Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, never seen Rosemary's Baby, honestly. 
So I know it's a classic. I should watch it, but yeah, it's one I, I haven't seen. So I think I'll have to watch that before. It's it's a staple, and I mean, it's something that I think any horror fan should watch. It is slow, uh, in my opinion, but it's 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 one of the, you, you have to watch Frankenstein if you're a fan of this genre. You have to watch, you know what I mean, Rosemary's Baby. You have to watch The Exorcist. It's just kind of staples or you know foundations of this industry that you need to to witness and take in. So, and it's Melissa's favorite movie. So, you know, really, yeah, she loves Rosemary's Baby. All right, I'll have to watch it then. So I'm kind of sad, you know. You talked about a couple other Halloweenish movies. No word on Hubie Halloween two yet. Oh man, are they supposed to be coming out with a Hubie Halloween two? I thought two years ago after that one came out, they said they were supposed to. So I'm dying to hear because I freaking loved Hubie Halloween. <laughs> so I don't know how you guys feel about it. I know it's stupid as shit, but have you seen it, Brian? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's a fun, like, I can sit down with my kids and watch a movie about Halloween and not have to worry about nudity or, you know, sex or gore, you know. You could show it to your family that maybe isn't horror fans and they're not going to think you're a weirdo. They might think it's stupid, but they're not going to be like, oh, what's this clown cutting this girl in half for? Hey, Hubie (laughs) Halloween made me appreciate my thermos a lot more than I do. Yours isn't as cool as his, though. At the end of that movie, didn't his mom escape? Like, didn't she, because his mom was, like, the monster or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and she, she disappeared. Didn't she split? Yeah, didn't she do, like, a, oh, God, now, see, I said I'm a fan of it, now I forget. But didn't she do something like, oh, look at that, and then she, like, took off and she was gone or something? Like, I thought I thought it was something like that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was the bad person. and So she's out there. She's out there and, and could start killing again. Wearing her awesome T-shirts. She always had a T-shirt on that said something like ridiculous on it. Like, yes. Like Boner Patrol or something. Or something. Something about Boner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope it comes out, though. Probably not this year since we haven't heard. But, I mean, we still have several months. Maybe it just, maybe it is. We just don't know. Adam Sandler has a big deal with Netflix still, doesn't he? He still has several movies to make for him. Well, I'm kind of upset that there's a new Ring movie coming out because that Arrow box set that I bought at Living Dead Weekend. It's a money pit. You just have to buy the next box set. I, I'm actually like I'm excited about the Monster High. The, the second I started reading that, I was just singing the theme song in my head. So yeah. that was the other one you mentioned, and that kind of brings back memories. My daughter was a huge Monster High fan. She had tons of the dolls, tons of them, and there was just finally a time where she's like. We asked her, oh, do you want a Monster High doll for your birthday? And then she was finally, like, she got to the point where she's like, Mom, I'm too old for that now. And it was literally, like, one day she was playing with them, the next day she yeah, was Yeah, it was like that with my kids, too. It was like a light switch on and off. And she just kind of cut it off, and so we gave them all away to somebody other little kid who loved Monster High. And now I'm kind of regretting that, because I think there's some value in those, like, especially, like, a lot of the first ones, and she had a ton of them. I could have had them down here in my little horror den. You can't touch anything in this room. Okay, you can play with the Monster High stuff in the corner. Well, so what do you guys think of this? Uh, I got to look at the title again. The Allegoria, this uh, you know movie from Spider One from Power Man Five Thousand. Yeah, I hope Spider One's wife is in it as like the lead role. <laughs> oh, I get it. you're making the Rob Zombie comparison. 
<laughs> you said that, and I'm thinking, who the hell is Spider One married to? Hell, I don't know. And oh, I get it, I get it. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I'm interested. Uh, yeah, Rob Zombie's movies are totally hit or miss. I say I am a fan. You know, even the bad ones, I've watched them a bunch of times. Um, the movie 31 that Rob Zombie did, I know I'm getting off track, but that was like one of the last movies that I really wanted to walk out of the theater on. Like, it was fucking terrible. And then I've watched it a few more times, and I appreciate it a little bit more now. But yeah, so I don't know. I don't know much about that one. I'm going to have to look it up. Is there a trailer or anything out for it? I know the Shutter release, like... You could probably just Google Allegoria or... Or Spider One, Power Man, Five Thousand movie, or you know whatever you want to Google, and you can see a trailer for it. Yeah, I don't know much about it, but yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. And yeah, being on Shutter, hell yeah, I mean it's there, it's free. I mean free-ish. I mean you pay monthly, but I think I think one of the main reasons I'm interested also, and the reason that regardless, because again, Rob Zombie's put out stuff that I love, and he's put out stuff that I just hate. The reason I have an interest is you know him, Rob Zombie, and his brother, their Spider, they grew up in the era of movies that Brian and myself typically gravitate towards. So their influences are from Funhouse from 80 or 81 or whatever it was, you know, their influences are these kind of weird, obscure movies of the late sixties through the early eighties. So I just hope to kind of see that influence in anything that they put out there. Cool little side story. So you guys get the cool movies, you guys get the cool movies and I get Hubie Halloween, but Hey man, everything has its place. And I will sit down and eat popcorn with you and watch UB Halloween drinking soup from my thermos with a big ass smile on my face. Hell yes. So an interesting little side story about the Power Man 5000 is um, here in Michigan, where I'm from, lower mid Michigan, um, I have some friends who have a a metal band. The name of their band is Distant Descent. And a few years back when I still had the haunted house, we shot a video out there for one of their songs called my revenge and it's a great video i'll have to post it so you guys can see it it's pretty cool um one of the reasons i like it the most though is my haunt cat one of my haunt personalities hal i get to show up at the very end of the video and by then there's this girl running through the video and she keeps getting like pieces of her clothes ripped off so by the time i get to her she's you know virtually naked she's topless and so i drag her off like she's you know killed and i drag her off like she's mine now and we were trying to figure out a way to do this to cover up so there was no skin showing so we didn't have to censor or edit. And so I was like, do you care if I grab your breasts and drag you off by the breasts? And she goes, no, I don't care. And she was a professional model or whatever. So yeah, the end of the video is me and my favorite haunt character grabbing this woman up by the boobs and yanking her off screen, man. Awesome. So the tie-in is uh, Distant Descend. They recently, a few months back, opened up for Power Man 5000 at uh a music venue here in Michigan. So very cool. Yeah. My type of music, like, <laughs> but now is it, is that like metal and stuff then? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're heavy. They're heavy. Yeah. I know I've heard the name power man 5,000, but I'm not in that hole. Oh, well, power man. I thought you were asking about distant descent. Distant descent is pretty heavy. Power man 5,000 is, but they, no, aren't they both? They, they would well, distant descent's heavy power man 5,000. Um, I'm not going to say they're not, heavy because they are but they actually kind of i don't know how to categorize it really there's actually some songs that you, that you might like they, they, they're he doesn't copy or emulate rob zombie i mean they're two completely different you know they're in the same world but they're they're, they're different music you can hear but they both have that kind of kind of where you can dance to it or you can thrash around in a mosh pit or you can you know kill somebody to it you know whatever 
it fits all categories, <laughs> all occasions. If I ever hear like a new artist, I'll just pull up Spotify and kind of look at like their top five songs that are listed right there. And I'll give a listen. I like some metal, you know, it just has to hit me at certain times. I guess I don't go looking for it, but if I hear something, I- I'm stoked about the metal scene in um, Stranger Things for the second half there. I haven't seen the last episode yet. Have you seen it, Jason? Mm-mm. Oh, I can never mind. I can't say it because I'm going to ruin it for you. There's a really cool, because I, I heard about it, so I saw a clip. There's a really cool scene in the last episode of season four of Stranger Things. You'll know it when you see it. And you'll go, that's, what's, that's what he's talking about. I watched the first episode of the last part, like the shorter one. And then we watched that Friday, and then I haven't watched the other one. Maybe I'll get to it today or tomorrow. Or I will get to it today or tomorrow. You're not going to watch Return of Living Dead? Oh, no. I Yeah, I got to watch that sometime today. Because today is, as we're recording... It is Return of the Living Dead Day. Happy July 3rd, everybody. I think I know what you're talking about with the metal scene. Does it show one of the characters holding up a tape? No. Same character, but different scene. Oh. I don't want to ruin it for you. Because I saw something where a kid's like holding up a tape or something, and it's like talking about metal. No, no, that was that happened in the the episode that you just watched. But now the next episode, which is the last episode of season four, there's a scene that is utterly and completely metal. All right. Well, I think that sounds like that's about it for the news. So why don't we get over to Jason with the financial report? Well, as every week, every other week, we are all still poor because we have spending impulse habits, and this week is no exception. Uh, So this week, why are we poor? Uh, I bought a few records. Um, I buy stuff all the time. I keep saying that. I need to stop. I need to save money. I got a message from Brian the other day saying we need to, or he needs to start saving uh, Midwest Monster Fest and Flashback Weekend coming up. I'm a kind of a, we just talked about metal, but I'm kind of a hip hop fan. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, uh, he had a new album come out on May the 13th, which was Friday the 13th, halfway to Halloween that day. It was kind of cool to listen to that, but his vinyl just released. So I picked that up. I don't know if you guys are big fans of Kendrick Lamar, really know anything. And then also I've been going crazy on uh, Waxwork Records again, buying more records. The movie we're talking about today, The Black Phone. I don't know. We should edit that to (laughs) say what we're doing first, but whatever. Surprise! That's what we're doing. I ordered the soundtrack for the Black Phone. It looks cool. I'm excited for that. That's a great soundtrack. They had a sale going on where they had like free shipping, but it was on pre-order. So I I ordered that. My Bloody Valentine, I ordered that one. That was kind of another FOMO thing. They had announced on their Facebook group that they had less than 100 left. And there was like a discount code. So I ended up buying that one. And Lords of Salem, speaking of Rob Zombie, I bought that soundtrack and it is freaking great. Has a lot of classic old music. Plus the first song on the second side is the, what was it? The, well, the Lords of Salem, the music song that they, that they played. Well, the one that they played on the air, the, the weird one, like whatever it was, that was kind of cool. I was glad it was on there. So. Uh, ordered that one. And then kind of to tie in with all of that, I had to go online and order a new uh, new shelf to keep all my records because I've outgrown this one. So 
they kind of go hand in hand. So I had to buy one of those. That's not as fun, but I'm excited. I can kind of space everything out and kind of rearrange. Thank you for reminding me. I had to add that to my list because I had to buy shelves too. You know, and talking about the, the Lords of Salem stuff, if you're a fan of um, just really cool kind of, I don't know what you call it, but just kind of gory horror animation, the video for Lords of Salem is like an animated, it's an animated music video. It's a great video and the song's pretty heavy and it's, it's fun to watch and listen to. Yeah, it had like some classic old songs, like 70s, you know, rock songs. And then they would get into some of the metal songs and yeah, it's a good soundtrack. I like it. I wish it was a little bit longer. It's only one record. It came with a bonus record that's all black and one side is etched with some demon looking guy. Not demon looking guy, but he's like he's like he's like a metal metal looking guy. It's like all I don't know. Yeah, I haven't played it yet. Play it backwards. Play it put it on right now. Put it on right now. I want to watch and see what happens. Here, wait, let me let me mute my headphones first. Then I'll see what happens. <laughs> All of a sudden, his head explodes like in scanners. Now, with the My Bloody Valentine uh, soundtrack, is that um, a soundtrack from the original, from the 1981 My Bloody Valentine, right? Yeah. So so it has the, uh, the, the ballad of Harry Warden on there. Once upon a time, on a sad valentine, in a place known as Mine. A legend began, every woman and man would always remember the time. And those who remained were never the same. You could see the fear in their eyes. Once every year, as the 14th draws near, there's a hush all over the town. For the legend they say on a Valentine's Day, is a curse that'll live on and on And no one will know As the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago I haven't even listened to it. I just got it in the other day. Let me take a look here. I know I haven't even opened it and like, I don't know, I sleeve everything up and do all that stuff. And then like, I have to open it and then listen to it because you know how records are if you, you know, don't listen to it. It could sit on the shelf for a while. and um, So I opened it, or I have to open it, listen to it, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, the Ballad of... I love that song. If you're, if you're a fan of folk music, then that song, it's a uh, classic. I don't want my wife to listen to this and murder me. Oh, sh- she was uber. She was uber pissed that I bought another shelf to store all the records on. She was like, it's, it's just clutter. I'm like, it's not clutter. I'm a collector. On this week's episode of Hoarders. I'm not a hoarder, I'm a collector. <laughs> You're the problem. I'm not the problem. <laughs> I'll, I'll be your intervention. I'll come over and just remove some stuff for you so you have more room. Don't they usually pull up a dumpster? Well, the dumpster, <laughs> the dumpster is just going to look like my truck. But you know. No, it's, it's funny. This, this, this segment of the podcast has actually gotten me in trouble a couple times too, Jason. It's stuff that I forgot to mention to Melissa. And, you know, she doesn't get pissed, but she's still like, you got what? You didn't tell me about that. Why why didn't you tell me? Why does she have to be so supportive and listen? Damn it. I think we've talked about this. I kind of like Joe Bob and the last drive-in and, you know, that whole mutant family thing. So somebody on Twitter, I'd have to look up their name, did the drive-in oath, made it into a poster and made like 25 of them. Just says, we are drive-in mutants. 
or we are not like other people. We are sick. We are disgusting. We believe in blood, in breasts, and in beasts. We believe in Kung Fu City. If life had a vomit meter, we'd be off the scale. As long as one single drive-in remains on the planet Earth, we will party. Like jungle animals, we will boogie till we puke. Heads will roll. The drive-in will never die. Amen. So, it was 25 bucks delivered. I mean... I just muted my mic, so I wasn't hypnotized by what did he what did he say? I muted it. He said Joe Bob is the greatest. So I have that. It's cool. I'll put it up here with my other Joe Bob posters. And I did a I had the FOMO thing that Jason talks about all the time. And I did order a record. They released they released season one through three of the Joe Bob record. So it's got music from the first three seasons. It was out a while ago. And then they kind of stopped pressing it, so it's back out. So I was like, well, i got to get one. So I jumped on that night, and Ship to Shore had them. So now I have two pre-orders from Ship to Shore, because I have that Hellbender still coming. I don't know, 50 bucks with shipping or something like that. It's two records. I went to eBay. I was like, oh, I wonder if they're expensive. Yeah, the ones from the last pressing go for like 115 bucks. So I was like, okay, I'm going to grab one. Yeah, I thought about grabbing one. Looked kind of interesting. I think I bought the red one. Can't remember. There was a red and a green. I think I bought the red. I liked the red one too. Looked pretty cool. I think that's about all I've got. I'm trying to be on a budget. We need to get a Joe Bob counter on this show. Ding! Like posted on every every time every time Joe Bob is said. Well, I I kind of feel bad sometimes because I mean it's the last drive-in. It's not Joe Bob. I mean it's he's the main person, but you know there's Darcy, there's John Brendan who does all the music, and he's awesome. Like there's a lot of people that put. Blood, sweat, and tears into that show, but he gets kind of the you know the big billing. That it. What about you, Clint? What did you buy? That's it. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to not spend money. We got flashback coming up, Midwest Monster Fest. You guys are responsible, um, and I am not. I am not because FOMO <clears throat> FOMO has always existed with me before I even knew what the fuck FOMO was. But it's been very very present lately. So I got. Uh, Okay, so I got five things, but they're, it's, oh, well. Okay, so um, I recently, finally, got my McFarlane Monsters 4, Series 4, Jaws box set. Uh, I had this when I was younger, and in fact, the reason I live in the house that I do now is because I had a few collectibles back then, that being one of them. Of course, I bought it when it came out first, so it was, you know, I probably paid 50, 60 bucks, if that. Maybe it was 40 bucks. And my basement flooded. All my collectibles got ruined, including the box for that McFarlane Jaws box set. And when that happened, I went downstairs. And it was kind of funny because I had two cats at the time, and I had a cat tree down in the basement. I got woke up that morning by the one cat meowing at me like something's wrong. So I wake up, I look at the cat. That cat leads me downstairs to the basement to where there was two inches of water on the floor. And the other cat was st- stuck on the cat tree. Like, I can help me, save me. And then so, of course, I grabbed the cat. But as I grabbed the cat, I look around. And I'm like, man, my comics are ruined. My Jaws box set is ruined. I moved. And ever since then, I've been wanting to get the new or a newer one. Um, the toy itself is fine, but... In the box, I mean, that thing's that goes for anywhere five, six, seven, or I've seen them for eight, nine hundred dollars. Out of the box, you know, you're looking at a couple hundred. Finally, found someone who was selling it for a decent deal, and then I went ahead and sold the one that I had that wasn't in the box. So basically, I only paid seventy five dollars for this McFarlane Jaws box set. So I just 
Yeah, I'm pretty happy about that because, I mean, it's something I always wanted to have again in the box because I'm a box nut. But the value, I mean, I paid 75 bucks. I could turn around and, and sell that for 10 times its worth right now if I wanted to, you know, like very happy about that. I've talked about this in the show before, but it finally showed up from Freakland Shop, also known as Freakland Fanzine. I think on Facebook, they're Freakland Fanzine. On Instagram, they're Freakland Shop, but they're over in Spain and they do prop replicas. And I got my replica actual size mask from the movie Demons. Dario Argento presents Lamberto Bava directed Demons. And along with it came a framed ticket to the Metroplex signed by Lamberto Bava. I'm just over the moon for that. I'm trying to figure out how to hang it right now. But I, I paid money for that a while ago, but it finally showed up. I picked up a new Tarman action figure from Monstars. Uh, Melissa had bought me one a while ago, but I took it out of the packaging, which is pretty uncharacteristic for me. And yeah, built a uh, Return of the Living Dead themed aquarium and had sunk Tarman in there. Um, what's the name of the guy who plays him? I'm forgetting now. What's the name of the guy who plays Tarman? Alan Troutman. Yes, thank you. Alan Troutman is going to be at Scarefest in Kentucky this coming October. So I've been wanting to get another one to have him sign. And same thing, I've been watching, like the Jaws. I've been watching and waiting for a decent deal. And uh, so I got a decent deal on that. He's up on the wall now awaiting uh, an autograph. I got more shelves also. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I'm like, I'm running out of room. I need more shelves. Probably one of the coolest things, this is the last thing, the coolest things I picked up recently was um, the same thing from McFarlane Movie Maniacs uh, Series 4. There was a Musicland exclusive. When Jason saw this, he was like, Musicland? Oh, man, I wish they still had Musiclands. Yes, yeah. But um, they did an Ash vs. Pitwitch from Army of Darkness action figure. Now, this was the, ver- the very first time I ever got on eBay back in the early 2000s. I came across this action figure. I didn't know what I was doing. I I was still new to the internet, you know what I mean? And uh, But anyway, so I ordered one. I paid for it. I never got it. I just never got it. I didn't know how to file a claim. I was just like, oh, fuck it. My money's gone. That I'm never doing this again, you know? Well, I came across one. I paid $41 for this, which is a fantastic deal because those things go for 150 or more. The, the packaging's not even yellowed. It's crystal clear. Everything's in good shape. Uh, so that beauty is up on my wall because I found one and bought one. Man, I haven't got this yet, but, you know, I was looking again at the guest list at um, Flashback coming up in Chicago in August. Rich Kaz, who is Svengoolie, is going to be there. I'm a Svengoolie fan. I mean, I don't live and die by Svengoolie, but I, I've watched Svengoolie before, and I like watching it. He's got this action figure that came out a while ago that, of course, it was limited. It's no longer available, but he's going to be there, and I want to get his autograph. And I've been debating and if I'm going to drop the 220 bucks to get this action figure of Svengooli to get signed. There's a Svengooli figure? There's a couple Svengooli figures. And the one that I'm talking about in particular is really cool. It's almost like a double pack. The one side is him. Is it him in the coffin? And you can see his face. I'd have to look it up again. And then the other side is the coffin lid. And Kerwin the chicken's there. And there's some there's some other action figures of them that are a little cheaper. But I, they don't look as cool as the, the one I'm talking about. Well, you better buy it before we post this episode. Right, yeah. All of a sudden, everybody's going to run and buy it. Uh, thanks, for putting the, thanks for putting the pressure on. Jesus Christ, I need some more money. I, you know, hey, I worked overtime at work yesterday, so I guess I could afford it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I see him now. I kind of looked him up here real quick. That's, that's pretty awesome. You, you see the double pack with the coffin? And the little chicken, yeah. There's. I found out there's another autograph. I'm going to have to get it flashback. Well, I was going to get this um, anyway, 
I know who the guy is, but so I don't screw up his name. I'm trying to look at it real quick. I should have had this ready. So I am a fan of Night of the Comet. Of course, Kelly Rooney is going to be there. Catherine Mary Stewart's going to be there. Well, they recently announced that Ivan E. Roth is going to be there. If you're a fan of Night of the Comet, he was the lead stock boy when they go to the mall. What I think his famous line was, he's like, I'm not crazy. I just don't give a fuck. And they're kind of like turning into zombies. You know, they were half exposed to the comet. So he's going to be there. So I wanted to get his autograph. But I just discovered that he was also the actor who played the zombie in Night of the Creeps, one of my favorite scenes of that movie, who busts up through the floor, the house mother's cottage with the axe. And if you're familiar with Night of the Creeps, he was like the the psycho killer that the that the cop killed, buried him, so he comes back. So anyway, I got that shadow box recently at Living Dead Weekend from Curious Good 666 of Night of the Creeps. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I think I'm going to take that and have Ivan sign that. I didn't know he played that that character. So I'll have more money going out in the future. Uh, it's just a never-ending cycle of money going out and very little coming in. Now, where would you have him sign it at? I kind of wondered that when you had it. Would you do it on the glass or on the frame? I think I would do it on the glass. I looked at it for a while. The way the picture is designed at the very bottom of the glass is where that character is coming out. And so I think if I have him sign it there, it's not blocking the LED. It's not covering up Mike Mash's you know, hard work and the artwork that he put out. I think it would actually complement the piece pretty nice. You know, potentially raise the value also. So, Yeah, I haven't heard. Hopefully Mike is going to be there too because I wouldn't mind picking up another box. Uh, I love the unboxing you did of that demon's mask. Oh, cool. Thank you. That was pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that the same place you got the Demons 2, the TV? It is, yep. They also had a creep show bust that looks awesome, like the wooden Indian. I was like, oh, man, looks so good. They have a replica of Nathan, the character Nathan Graham's ashtray from Creep Show from Father's Day, the Father's Day episode. And there, there's a couple companies here in the States that do that, too. Because Freakland Shop is over, like I said, in Spain, I think it is, across the pond there. But I'm pretty sure that the one that they do is is one-to-one scale, where the ones I've seen here in the States are smaller. I love Freakland Shop's quality. Their packaging is superb. The, the quality is great. If I had one bad thing to say, I'm a box nut, so the things I get from them aren't in a box, you know what I mean? So, but that's not a huge, it, it's, it's there. Yeah. I was going to say it's not a huge deal because they're custom items and the, the quality is, is superb. I want that brain dead, living dead baby. I'm going to get that from Melissa at some point. That's like her favorite character from that movie. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's a cool shop. I have to get something. I've got, I picked up for her. It's it for her. It's I, here you go. Happy birthday. I'm going to put it up in my toy room. Okay. Well, where else should it go? It should go with the other toys. So it's not lonely, but it's, um, from Distinctive Dummies, and it is um, a brain dead. The name just left me. What's the other name for brain dead? Dead alive. Thank you. God, I can't believe I couldn't remember that. And it's the baby and um, him with the the mower. But yeah, the the one from Freakland Shop you're talking about is like a full size baby. Yeah, so good. I need something like that. I know. I actually, you say that too, talking about you know buying your wife something. I bought my wife a prop. I don't know if I've talked about it on here. Not a prop, but just I bought her a, a a death's head moth from The Shining or fuck the Silence of the Lambs, like one of the moths, like and it's all like displayed out and framed and everything. And I bought it for her, and then she was like, "Oh, cool, we could put this down in your room." And I'm like, "No, no, I I bought it for you. I want you to." So it's actually like in our living room 
kind of sitting there. It's pretty awesome looking. So, but I wanted to make sure it was known, you know, I'm a nice guy, not like Clint, you know, where I'm like, Hey, here you go. Here, I'll, I'll take it from you. And no, Clint's a nice guy. Don't let him fool you. Um, now I did though, buy her that, uh, from Ted's custom gumball emporium. I got her the, uh, the evil dead gumball machine. And I really wanted that downstairs, but it was her birthday present. And she said, I want it up here next to the fireplace in the living room. And I just said, okay, I didn't push. Hell yeah. So it's, oh, it's actually, it's funny because the horror stuff is starting to sprinkle throughout the house now. That's the only thing kind of horror esque that it doesn't stand out and scream horror, but you know, the only thing that I've asked if I could put up a post poster upstairs and that gets shot down real quick. I should show you guys pictures of my psycho-themed bathroom. Now I'm planning a trip up there. I'll have to come take a dump in that. Psycho-themed bathroom. Man, I was like all like, hey, he's coming up. And then you're like, I got to go take a dump in your bathroom. Which, I mean, that's what that's what bathrooms are for. But the picture in my head is like, oh, this will be cool. He, the guys are going to come up. We're going to hang out. And then I, the, the picture you painted was you just wrecking my bathroom like Wreck-It Ralph. I'm going to wreck it. Thanks. Right, right when I get there, I'm like, hey, where's the bathroom? When the hell are you guys coming up? So I don't know. I've been I've been wanting to take a trip, but I need to save up earn time from work. You know, I got sick here a couple of weeks ago, so I took a lot of time off and I don't know. I was wanting to plan a little trip. I want to come up this fall, hopefully, during football season, maybe see a game, come up, hang out with you guys. Well, here's what we do. Since since I obviously have I call it an investing problem, but to the rest of the world it's called a spending problem. Um, to fund you guys coming up here to hang out, I will just buy some stuff from your collections and then you can come up here and you can bring the shit to me. So I'm saving money on shipping. It's a win-win. See, you're such a good guy, Clint. I don't know what we do without you. I believe the word you wanted to use was salesman, used car salesman. I'm sure you would take a nice discount on that stuff too. Yeah, sure. Why the hell not? And if you're going to offer it. How many times have you wore that mask around the house? Three or three or four times now. Yeah. No, no pimples yet. You know, it's, it's actually funny because when I got home last night, we went and had a, some friends of ours had a, a birthday party. And uh, so we were there hanging out with a bunch of people we haven't seen in about a year. Anyway, I get home and I look at, man, I got this weird pimple right above my mustache to the to the left here. Oh, shit. I put that demon's mask on the other day. Yeah. When I when I shared pictures of that, Brian, Brian sent me a message. He said, don't wear the mask. Don't put the mask on. I said, shit, I've already worn it three times. You know? Hey, you know what? I tell you what. If uh, if being poor is, is is this happy, then God damn it, let's continue to be poor. I mean, so even though we're going to continue to be poor, we do still need money coming in to be able to, to buy more stuff and fund some components of this show. So how about we take it to a sponsor? I mean, what's odd stands out. What's even lies flat. But you can't see the outstanding without the flat background. <laughs> Death Stitch Custom Clothing. Death Stitch Custom Clothing offers 100% handcrafted, handpicked, and painstakingly matched upcycled t-shirt flannels, bags, and more. There's this thing standing out. It's odd. Each one of you is odd. Strange, unique, particular different how do we know what we mean by that except against the background of something even death stitch custom clothing on facebook
So it looks like we got a couple questions again this episode. Uh, we got Brian Clark. So Brian Clark has a question for the show. He wants to know, there are 11,000 Bigfoot movies and a few Nessie and Chupacabra flicks. What cryptid would you like to see get some cinematic love? What do you think, Jason? One that I've always liked is uh, the Wendigo. And we kind of did get some cinematic love here recently uh, with um, Antlers. Have you guys seen that movie? No, I know what you're talking about. No, no. I know what you're talking about, though. I've seen, uh, seen the trailer and clips. And mm-hmm. uh, I recommend watching it. I, I liked it. So that's one for me. I love Bigfoot movies, though. Even, like, the cheesy-ass ones. I guess they mostly are. I don't know. Are there any, like, actual, like, big production Bigfoot movies? Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, my gosh. The biggest. Yeah. No, uh, so that's it for me. I don't know. Uh, you know, the whole Mothman thing. It got some love some years ago. I don't know. I guess I don't follow it too much to really know, but I know that Wendigo and Antlers, you know, coming out, that was kind of cool to see. You guys got anything? I'm not really a big cryptid fan. Sorry, Brian Clark. I am predominantly Scottish, so I do kind of gravitate towards Nessie. I've always been interested in stories and stuff, you know, about the Loch Ness monster. I guess if I had to choose a, a quote-unquote cryptid, it's probably from there is an episode of of a little Mickey Mouse animated short that had to deal with the Kraken, and it just the kids and I love that episode. You know, being from Michigan, it's always joked about the Kraken being in Lake Michigan underneath the the bridge heading up to the UP. So there really hasn't been, you know, a whole lot of exploration of, of that giant mythical sea creature. But again, I'm not a real big cryptid fan, but what I am a fan of, and I, I can't remember the term, but there's a term for if insects decided to take over the world. There, I, I even looked it up so I wouldn't sound stupid on this episode and I couldn't find it. So here I am sounding stupid on this episode, but... Um, you know, like um, like movies like Kingdom of the Spiders from the, the 70s or Frogs or actually it seems like the 70s and the 80s, there was a lot of exploration of that or even um, Squirm where, you know, worms kind of came up and took over. Yeah, there you go. There you go right there. Brian is holding up Kingdom of the Spiders. So, I mean, you know, they're not necessarily cryptids, but I would think that it's in the same world to a degree of, yeah, I've always been interested in that of ants or just whatever, a a group of insect or animal saying, nope, humans, we want to take over the world. And it's been a while since we've seen anything in that world, anything new come out. Although I think there's a sequel or not a sequel, a remake to Arachnophobia coming out sometime soon, but can't, can't quote me on that, so. No, it, you're right. I did see something about that because we're big arachnophobia fans, but yeah. I don't have arachnophobia. I love spiders. We had a tarantula. Uh, boots, the, boots, the ink mirrors button pusher there had a tarantula. Let it used to let it climb on me and stuff. I would be like Marv in Home Alone. <laughs> it even gets near me. But yeah, looking up some of the cryptids, like there's a ton I've never even heard of. I've just known like some of the bigger ones and... Yeah, I looked up a list too, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" And what the hell is that? Great question, though. Makes us think. Makes us like get into other stuff and take a look. Well, I think we had talked about it on the previous episodes. I think it was the Mystics with Bali and Bali episode. How like we have our stuff in our country, like Bigfoot, and everybody knows about the Loch Ness monster and the Yeti. That dog barking in the background. <laughs> How? 
I always go back to the uh, the folk monster, you know, the Jonesville monster, the Southern Sasquatch, but most people know him from Boggy Creek, you know, the legend of Boggy Creek, the Boggy Creek monster. I've only seen the original. I think there is a sequel that I need to check out, but that movie always was fun. And, you know, we I watched it, and, you know, Jason and I and my son Jack and some other friends were lucky enough to catch it up when Justin Bean showed it at the 61 drive-in here, well, in Iowa. That was fun because... Yeah, middle of nowhere, like surrounded by cornfields off the highway. Justin Beam had one of the like military gorilla suits that like the snipers wear to like lay in the grass, and he put it on, and he was going like through the people's cars, like scaring people. So that it was just a fun time. But that was great. He did that. I heard I heard people screaming, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" And then I see this thing go by. It was fucking perfect though, because it was black. And you really couldn't see anything except for this shadow going across. So you guys were in a cornfield in the middle of nowhere in Iowa. So wasn't that by where Ghostbusters 2 or Ghostbusters Afterlife was supposed to be? Right. Yep. Exactly. Across the street. I'm kind of like you, Jason, though. Like looking at the movies, like I've heard of Champ, like the Lake Champlain monster. A lot of them are like Nessie and a lot of stuff like that. Seems like about every country has one of those. What in Boggy Creek wasn't that? I don't remember seeing seeing Boggy Creek. There's so many movies I know what you're talking about, but I've just never taken the time to watch. But wasn't the the creature in Boggy Creek like a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch? You never really see it. Yeah, you never really see the monster in the movie. That's one of the things that's weird about the movie and how well done it is. Like it's creepy, but it's you don't see the monster. You don't see maybe a five second snippet of it, a part of it. I'm still looking at this damn thing of cryptids, the chupacabra, Mon- Mongolian death worm from Asia. I saw that, and the first thing that popped in my head was tremors. Like, I wonder if that's what influenced tremors. This one's a, a yowie from Australia, large and hairy human-like entity, various other descriptions. This one has a freaking statue of it, a couple winged ones. It's interesting. Jersey Devil, we've all heard of that one. The and then we got a question from uh, Abram Kirshner. From Burlington, Iowa. He said, I finally decided on a question. Well, two, actually. First, settle debate. Is pizza more enjoyable cut in triangles or squares? So that's the first question. Uh, triangles, because it's easier to shove it in my mouth, and I don't have time to sit down and eat. I got shit I got to do. So, it, Plus, I'm a traditionalist. Triangles. Let me eat. Let me move. I don't know. I get kind of excited like if, it, if it's cut into strips, like my favorite Harris pizza is here in the Quad Cities. If I see pizza cut in strips, I'm assuming it's Harris, so I'm ready for it. Sounds so good. But yeah, eating it is kind of a pain in the ass. Trying to eat a piece of spaghetti. <laughs> like, you know. That's... That was that pizza you picked up for us when we were at halfway to Halloween, right? Yeah, yeah. What'd you think of it? It was good, right? Oh, I love the flavor. The pizza was great. But it's, as far as, like I say, strips or squares or fuck circles, triangles, triangles, man. But yeah, that, that pizza you picked up, I love the flavor of that. It was good. So triangle, of course, more practical. The middle on the squares I like because you don't have any crust. I'm not a big crust person. But you can also take like two normal size and put them together and eat it kind of like a sandwich. I guess you could do that with the, with triangles too. If they're, I don't think it matters. It's pizza. I love pizza. Yeah, you could probably cut it fucking, like you said, in circles. And I'd still find a way to fucking eat it and be fine with it. I remember those like Tostino's pizzas, like you, the, like the little personal ones. I don't know if they're personal ones, but they were to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like so, <laughs> so I don't know. You grab that and just fold it in half like a taco. 
<laughs> just kind of going. You don't need to fucking cut this thing. <laughs> I choose circle. <laughs> I choose taco. I want a taco pizza. Those were square, I thought. Aren't those Totino's square? Oh, now? no. Well, maybe now. They were circles then. Oh, they might be now. I haven't had them in years, but yeah. yeah. They don't even come in a box anymore. They come wrapped in plastic. <laughs> I had a buddy who would do the same thing, man, and he would take and cook two of those circle Tostinos and then fold it up like a taco and he'd square half a bottle of ranch in the middle and then just devour that, you know. That's a good idea. Sober, you know. When we weren't sober, there was even more of them. Before I started dating Tiffany, I lived by myself for a while. I was pretty poor, and uh, that would be my dinner several nights. I'd get a Tostino's pizza and... I'd add some more cheese and some more toppings and some more you know, pepperoni, and then I'd just spice it up a little bit and eat that because I was poor. Well, I don't, I don't know if we actually settled a debate here <laughs> at all. But what was the, what was the second question? And then the second question is, what is your favorite subgenre of horror? Miss Les, love the show, guys. Keep it spooky. Well, thank you. And that's an easy answer. My least favorite. Subgenre. Wait, was it? What is your favorite or least favorite? What is your favorite? Oh well, I'm gonna answer twice because my least favorite is cryptids. <laughs> uh, sorry, Brian Clark. It's really hard because I I don't I love all movies. I love all genres. I guess if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably choose the one that I just seem to naturally gravitate towards quicker than others, and that's slashers. And that's not to say that slashers, like Brian always says. Brian says, you know, just because I like the movie doesn't mean it's the best. So it's the same thing. Just because I generally go to a slasher flick before anything else doesn't mean that the other genres, subgenres suck because I like stuff from all of them. But yeah, I guess I would have to say slasher is my favorite. What about you, Jason? I think it kind of just depends on the mood. I, I don't have a favorite. It's just whatever I'm feeling sometimes, you know, the paranormal movies I love. Uh, like you said, slashers are great. I guess if I had to choose one, like right now as of recording this episode, all others would disappear. I think I would pick maybe paranormal. That's just kind of cool. Just, you know, ghosts, because I believe in ghosts. I've never seen one, and I don't want to, so stay hidden, guys. Look out behind you. <laughs> so it's like... Didn't that door just open back there? <laughs> right, right. That's That's what seems to be the scariest and... I like paranormal, I guess. You have a least favorite? Oh, least favorite? Cryptids. No. I'm joking. I'm not a big found footage fan, but I guess I have enjoyed some found footage ones. Do you find it weird, though, that like you tend to gravitate and have more fun with paranormal stuff, but you're like the hugest Halloween fan? Right, right. Like one of the biggest slasher ones. Oh, that would suck, though, because then if, if all other movies disappeared except for those... And Halloween would be gone forever. I mean, there literally what there was a ghost in the movie. So I mean, come on, like that's ghost sheet, Bob. What's there? There's a I don't know. There's a, a genre title for this, you know. But there, there's another one that I always tend to go to also, and it's um well, I guess maybe vigilante mo- vigilante movies, which isn't horror. But I mean, like a lot of times, if there's like that late seventies, early eighties urban kind of New York vigilante, like a death wish, or there's the movie vigilante or even movies like, um, Fulci who did New York Ripper, New York city Ripper with the duck. The killer had the duck. I don't know. I've just always been a fan of those, those early, I'll have to to look it up to see what I'm, if I can figure out what I'm talking about. But, uh, that's another cool genre, which is, is horror, but it isn't horror. That got me in trouble the other day. I fell asleep watching the last drive in. 
for like an hour and a half and I woke up and I couldn't get back to sleep. So I was like, oh, what's on Shutter? Because they start a movie right after um, the last drive-in ends and it was at Vigilante. So I watched the whole damn thing. I was up until like four in the morning. I was like, damn it. But I was like, I really like this movie. This is like a really good movie. So Brian, what's your uh, what's your favorite subgenre there? Other than jo- Joe Bob is not a category. Uh, I'd probably go with like the jungle cannibal exploitation films. I just tend to have more fun with those. Like I said to Jason, I'm a big Return of the Living Dead fan, so you think I'll be like, oh, zombies! You know, outside of that movie and some other ones, I don't tend to gravitate towards watching just straight zombie movies. Yeah, I would go with the the jungle uh, exploitation, cannibal holocaust, cut and run, slave of the cannibal gods. There's people getting eaten. I mean, Green Inferno was still kind of fun, too, even though it's not one of the ones that I put in the top 10 or 15. But yeah, kind of those where uh, they always go on a trip you know, to save somebody that went to do research or to you know, find a treasure or something. And they end up getting eaten. Cue the little Einstein's music. We're going on a trip in our favorite rocket ship. <laughs> yeah, that'd probably be mine. I still have a, a box set that I bought from Venner Syndrome last year at Flashback that I need to pop open to watch. Probably still sealed. Another unopened movie. Probably have more unopened than I have open. Uh, there's only so much time in a day. And see, my my least favorite, probably because it's just so scary, is the paranormal ones. Because yeah, I do not like ghosts. Feel like I've seen ghosts working in healthcare and in the hospitals late at night. I just don't want to be bothered with them. They're like, oh, you know, people are always like, oh, Halloween's coming up. You want to go to the abandoned insane asylum in Peoria, where you know it's by where I live? Do a tour. I'm like, uh, no, sure the fuck don't. I'll stay right here. You guys have fun. I'm with you. I don't even. I don't. I don't even like haunted houses. I know Clint was big into them, and I don't know. Just something about being grabbed and scared all the time. It's just. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm a big wussy that Man, way. And I wish the barn was open to show you guys. Who? I can tell you. I can tell you stories. I can show you videos, but you will never know. Well, so you know what's interesting is we're talking about these subgenres, and um, actually, the the movie that we're going to be discussing here in just a few minutes is kind of a mix of a bunch of different it has some paranormal it has some true crime it has some slasher to a degree um it's got that early 70s not necessarily vigilante urban feel but um so the movie that we're going to be talking about here is the new movie that just came out the black phone super excited to talk about this one this is one that's been on my radar ever since i think halloween 2018 came out I think that's when they showed, no, was it kills? No, my God, I swear it was, I don't know. But they, this movie was delayed for years. I thought it was supposed to come out in February of like last year and then it got pushed back. So, I mean, the trailer's been out and available for a long time. I could be completely wrong on that, but I know I've been, I've been waiting for it. I saw where people were talking about, we've been waiting 10 years for this movie. And I'm like, what? And then I did a little reading and what they meant was is, they've been waiting 10 years to see Ethan Hawke in another horror movie because everybody loved Ethan Hawke in um, Sinister. And they're like, oh, they've been clamoring and we need Ethan Hawke in another horror film. Same director, same actor. Sinister was great. It goes right up there with like some of the modern great, don't know if I'm going to call it a classic, but it's one of the modern really good horror movies. Yeah, I wish I remember when that trailer came out. 
It was Halloween Kills, I'm pretty sure, because we all were like, oh, we got to go see that. That was, that was just last year. So was it was it supposed to come out in February of this year? I think it was supposed to come out February of this year. I don't know. I could be... Com- whatever. Whatever. It's out. We're talking about it. I'm excited. Finally. They were saying that there was going to be a trailer for Halloween Ends on Black Phone, at the beginning of Black Phone, which there was not. I don't know. Which completely ruined the movie for me. It ruined the whole movie for me. Oh, dang it. Because there was no trailer for Halloween Kills or Ends or whatever on it. it exactly. I was like, I didn't even get my, my money's worth here. Bullshit. Well, it was another Blumhouse, which but was cool. We did see Michael Myers in the new Blumhouse opening. Did you notice that that was all different? I don't know. Like I, I like Blumhouse. Michael Myers right at the beginning of that, and that's been kind of big online, people talking about it. And I thought that was cool because like right when it, he popped up there and it started to zoom away, I'm like, oh, what is this? What's going on? And then I kind of picked up. I'm like, oh, the new Blumhouse opening. That's kind of cool. I saw him, and then after that, I, I, I noticed things were different, but it all happened so fast that I, I couldn't tell you what I saw after that. I kind of missed the – I'll probably miss like the creepy little girl and the chair spinning, the old opening – but this one's kind of cool because Blumhouse is getting more into horror, so it kind of wants to just put those little Easter eggs in there and put like all these people. Okay, it was originally set to come out February of 2022. For some reason, I was thinking it was like last year or something like that. So yeah, okay. So it was only pushed back. Not so bad. It se- it seems like forever because I guess that one was in October of last year, so it was almost a full year. You got to wonder what delayed it because it's not like there's a whole lot of special effects in this movie. It's, um, yeah, I'm curious what delayed it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Was it COVID? Was it, I, I mean, that's that's kind of wrapping up. I mean, well, no premise this with there will be spoilers. We're going to talk about this movie. If you haven't seen it, there are going to be spoilers. We're going to talk about the whole movie. Go check it out. And then you go, yeah, go, go watch it. And then you can listen to the episode. I think what happened with the pushback was the director changed the ending. There were some changes to the ending of the movie. So he pushed it back to put those changes into place. I know. And like, well, this day and age, there's a lot of like uh, test movies and stuff like that, which that's kind of wild. I've seen people post before, like in Los Angeles or something, you can be walking by a theater and they're like, hey, do you want to watch a movie for free and give us a review? that kind of blows my mind that like they do this in places and they bring people in, they'll show them the fucking movie. I'm sure they have to sign something, all this stuff. And then they kind of get their opinion and change stuff. Cause I know like with Halloween 2018 or Halloween kills or something, they ended up changing the ending because they didn't like a lot of the reviews were poor about it. Yeah. I mean, a lot kills a lot of, a lot of people shit on that anyway, but I don't know. Maybe that is what it is. I remember being younger and we went to the theater here that was at the mall and they showed a uh, batteries not included was a free showing. I don't remember them asking us any questions or anything after, but I mean, maybe they just wanted to see how like people reacted to the movie and stuff. Well, and that was different times though, too. Cause like you just, you didn't have the whole internet to like literally look up everything about every movie. And I mean, hell from seeing this poster, the poster looks fantastic with Ethan Hawke just standing there as the grabber. It's fucking great looking. The mask is amazing, which has got the internet in an uproar, at least, you know, my internet that I look at. Cause I look at a lot of Facebook that's, you know, tailored to me, like a lot of the horror stuff. And- I didn't think I was going to be a fan of the mask, <clears throat> um, but I wound up being a fan of the mask. But yeah. Tom Savini did the, uh, did the mask. 
And when I saw it, it reminded me that um, if you're a pro wrestling fan, WWE recently, you know, had the fiend Bray Wyatt's character became the fiend. Tom Savini did that mask. And then during COVID Tom Savini came out with a, a mask to wear for COVID. And it was kind of like, uh, it was Jason's mask from Friday the 13th, you know? And so when I saw the, when I saw the, uh, the black phone mask, I thought to me, I was like, oh, it resembles those a little bit. I don't know. This is going to be kind of, you know, whatever, but uh, no, I, the mask has three different facial features to it. Yeah. I really loved it. It was very effective, simple, and but effective. Yeah, and when, when we were at uh, Living Dead Weekend, Savini was there, and he had the black phone like pictures on his table, like to have signed. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Like, I wonder, I wonder why he did that. Like, you know, I didn't even know like into it, you know. And that was only you know what hell a month ago, if that. Now I'm kind of regretting it. I'm like, shit, <laughs> you know, that would have been cool to have like the guy who made the mask sign one of these pictures. And I didn't know I would love the movie. Yeah, it was like the it was like the the poster like a copy of the poster like a smaller one but i thought that was fucking cool and savini being a huge makeup effects special effects artist that's that's cool that they did that so i mean it, the movie's a pretty simple premise there's a guy and they call him the grabber going around grabbing kids and they are missing presumed dead set in like denver area one of the suburbs of colorado um, in the 70s I mean, pretty simple premise until you start getting into some of the underlying stuff in it. Like you said, Clint, paranormal, a slasher, a true crime, you know, like all these movies mashed up or subgenres mashed up together into this one movie. It was only like an hour and a half long. I don't feel like it was super long. Did what it needed to do, though. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it was set it was set in 1978. And um the person I went and saw this movie with, who shall remain nameless throughout this episode for a reason, you'll, you'll find out. Um, the person I went, no joke, serious, but the person I went and saw this with, I turned over and I said, did you ever notice that anymore all of these movies are set in 78? You know, Halloween was set in 78, Black Phone set in 78, and there was something else I just watched that was set in 78. And I was like, well, what's so horrific about 78? And then I was like, well, shit, that's when all of us were born. So that's, that's gotta be it. All of us. Yeah. But you know, something else that's interesting about this movie. And, um, you know, we were asked a question a few episodes back and, um, it was what scares you the most. I don't remember the exact question. And, and Brian answered, um, I think maybe it was what horror movie scares you the most. And Brian had answered, uh, Texas chainsaw massacre, the, the remake. And his answer was because it's something that could really happen. And this movie is right in that category because this is something that can really happen. And especially as a parent, it's scary. Child can be abducted and whatever happened to them. It's, it hits a nerve. Yeah, it does. Oh, I went with my son, Jack, who's 16, and his buddy, Xavier. And I looked over a couple times, and Jack's just, like, pulling the strings on his hoodie so he doesn't see what's going on. And I was like, what are, you, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, this is creepy, man. This is too realistic. Like, I'm scared. Like, I don't, he, when we left, he's like, I didn't like that movie. I was like, you didn't like it? He's like, well, it was good, but I didn't like it. I was like, oh, well, I guess it did what it needed. It works against you. Well, anything with kids, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to watch like some of that stuff, you know, when people prey on kids, like we all have kids. So it's kind of, it is terrifying. It, it could be true. You know, I remember back in the eighties, of course, yeah, we were born in 78. So early eighties. 
you know, free reign of our neighborhood. We were gone. We were going everywhere. I was riding my bike alone. I was walking to my friends' houses alone when I'm young. No cell phones. Yeah, there's no find your phone app or no watch tracker or cell phone. You you can't just call your kids to see where they're at. They hit it out of the park with this too. I mean, it's based on a short story from Joe Hill, which Joe Hill is doing big ass things. You know, the son son of Stephen King, but shit, he's going to be known for way more than that. I introduce him like that also, and so I'm not knocking what you just said by any means. But but when I hear that, I almost think, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that or I wish I wouldn't have heard that because it's almost a discredit to him because, yeah, he's in his own rights. I mean, from the comic series Basketful of Heads to the comic series and Netflix show, which Boots and I watch all the time. We're enamored with um, Lock and Key. And yeah, and other things right now are escaping me because I'm excited because I'm talking about it. But there's a list of, of accomplishments and things he's created. Nosferatu, the A&E show, which is great. You know, I, I haven't I haven't watched it all yet, but I got through the first season. I don't think I started the second season. I need to go back and start again, but I liked the story. Yeah, I know you have to mention his dad with it. But yeah, he is definitely on his own. And I think that's what, you know, probably why he changed his name. He didn't really change his name. His like his name is Joseph Hillstrom King. So he just cut his, you know, middle name in half and kind of went with that. But authors do that all the time anyway, to have their writing name and stuff. And the resemblance is uncanny though. Like if you see a picture of him, you're like, oh shit, he's related to Stephen King. I mean, you could you, you can obviously tell. But I know when I when I wanted to mention that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. But he's he's his own man. He's you know, he's doing one thing that I think Joe Hill picked up from his dad, Stephen King, is anything you watch of Stephen King. There's always or read. uh, You should say read because he was a writer. But um, there's always this underlying theme or thread through the movie that really doesn't drive the movie per se, but it's there. And it's always like some social topic. And I noticed the same thing with Joe Hill's work. And in this movie, it was no different. And from what I saw, Black Phone dealt a lot with abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse. And I actually think that there's some things I want to discuss with you guys when we get towards the end of this episode about the end of this movie that I think it's more prevalent than I'm saying because I think the abuse is actually what drove the grabber to do the things that he did. But real quick, and this is why I'm not naming the person I went and saw the movie with. The person I went and saw this movie with was uh, abused as a child in a whole lot of different ways, severely. Um, And we were watching this movie, and I felt this uncomfortable shift. And it was especially when towards the B, well, the movie kind of gotten started. We were introduced to the characters, and then there was the daughter who almost had like the, she could sense things through her dreams or whatever and it was alluded that her mom had the same thing but then her mom had i don't know killed herself or died or something and anyway so the the father who's drunk is beating the shit out of his daughter with a belt above and beyond a spanking i mean he was beating the shit out of her with this belt like your dreams aren't real don't say that again and i felt this shift to the person i'm watching i look and i'm like oh shit i was like do we need to leave no, no, I'll, I'll be, I'll be okay. And so the, the point of bringing that up is, I know it's kind of heavy topic. That's how powerful this movie was. That this person who had gone through similar things in their life saw that and felt that, and almost relived some of that just by watching that scene in this movie. So I mean, that, that's not like a cool thing, but it is a credit to the film. It makes people feel things. 
that's something terrifying in itself. You know, they, they hit on real life, which it is a real life for a lot of people. I don't know. And I mean, kind of talking about that, like you talk about, you know, how the dad is set up to be like this asshole, which I mean, he is, but you know, then there's kind of more to the story later, you know, I'm not condoning anything, but it's like when they find out like what the mom went through and all this stuff, it probably, it probably fucked with him. So I don't know what type of person he was before, but no, I agree completely. There, there's, there, there's no excuse for his action, but you learn why. So you can gain some sort of understanding about why he was, your dreams aren't real and why he was a drunk and why he was, you know, a depressed, depressed drunk really. But that's the one thing about this movie is it's, it's real. It's a great movie. It's very dreary. And even the, the, the coloring of the movie. One thing I liked about John Carpenter, and it's kind of going off on a tangent, but one thing I like about Carpenter is, you know, Halloween could really happen. But Carpenter, all the shots and all the lighting and everything was very natural. Like you watch those movies and you're like, hell, that was the playground I was just at. That was the street I just drove down. You know what I mean? It kind of hits home because it's realistic. Black phone, everything was realistic, but it was almost punched up. I don't want to say hyper stylized, but it was almost, and the coloring was very dark. Everything was dreary. So I was kind of reminded throughout the whole film, like, yes, this is something that could really happen, but it didn't seem real. Does that make sense? I kind of felt like they were trying to push the time frame, Like it seemed something very out of the seventies. I don't know. That, that's how I take it. I don't remember everything in the seventies being dark. <laughs> everything was colorful, man. Green shag carpet and, yeah, orange dingleberries hanging from your the roof of your car. I liked it still. I'm not good at enunciating what I'm thinking. Well, I think, like Clint said, it hit like so many things that people get emotional about. Going to school and being bullied. I mean, the kid was bullied. Father has substance abuse issues. His father's abusive. His mother committed suicide at one point. He's talking to the daughter and he's like, I don't want the same thing for you that happened to your mother. Her dreams drove her insane and she ended her life. So you kind of get maybe not why he did it, but why he's so upset that he beat her so bad. They lost their mother and he lost his partner because she had these same issues and it caused her to go insane and end her life. In his weird way, he's trying to protect her from going down the same road that she went down, but it's not going to. I mean, it's- Yeah, this movie was set up so well introducing the characters it it didn't seem like it drug on to me it seemed like everything was kind of deliberate and it it, it told the story of course yeah the kids you know you know the kids bullied uh the main the main kid finney which he was great his sister was even better she was fucking fantastic and she's she was a fantastic actress and she's gonna go far i see her being in a lot of other things and it wasn't just because she was allowed to use adult language and stuff. I mean, her delivery and her performance was fantastic. And she was definitely, she had her brother's back, you know. Her brother was, of course, you know, he was the bullied one, and he put up with a lot of shit. He didn't fight back. We're introduced to Robin, uh, the little tough-ass kid. Like, he was fucking great, too, you know. We see him at the beginning, you know, this bigger kid, you know, talking shit, and the bully comes after this this kid and he fucks him up. You know, the kid fucks the bully up. That was kind of cool to see. And then I think he helped. Like we we could see 
early in the movie that he was going to help him. He was like, he told, uh, he went to the bathroom when Finney was chased into the bathroom by these other kids. And then Robin, he went in there and he was like, Hey, if you fuck with Finney again, I'm going to fuck you guys up. Something along those lines, you know, which was fucking great. And then he told Finney, he was like, Hey, Finney, you know, sometimes. Yeah. He's like, I can't do this for you forever. You're going to stand up for yourself sooner or later. So I loved that kid in the movie. I'm like, Oh my God, this is great. And then he gets abducted. I was hoping for the best things for him, but I liked how they set it up though. You know, introducing him, they're walking to school every day and they're walking past these missing posters of kids. And they kind of set up that the grabber had been doing this for a while. They were like, Oh, there's new pictures up here. Uh, the Nakamura's or whatever, like it was like an Asian kid or whatever. And the baseball star, they had put new pictures of him. So, I mean, they just kind of showed that. I got the impression that this had been going on for at least a couple of years and it had been going on long enough to where the kids even talked about real quickly, where there was almost like a, not a nursery rhyme, but like a little saying, they, I can't remember what it was though, but it was something about if you say his name, the grabber will come get you or it had a little rhyme to it. So it had, it had been going on long enough, give some mythology. Yeah. Because at one point, Finney and Gwen were walking home from school. They were talking about it. She's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, just don't say his name. And she's like, you know, that's not real. If you say his name, he's not going to come get you. And he's like, well, yeah, but anyways. And that just showed her as the tougher character anyway. So these kids that Robin, you know, tells like, Hey, I'm going to beat your ass. You know, if you mess with Finney again, then unfortunately, you know, Robin gets taken, you know, he's this tough little kid, but you know, he still gets, you know, it's a, the grabber's a full grown adult with, you find out later, you know, he gasses them or something, chloroforms them, all this stuff to abduct the kids and like spread that shit down their throat. Yeah. What, yeah, whatever it was, we see when Finney gets taken, I think chloroform, I think like they put a, a tissue over your mouth. He's like opening the kids fucking spraying that shit down. Man. I always put the chlor. I always pour the chloroform on the rag before I put it over someone's face. So yeah, I don't know what he had. I'm not the pro, so I didn't know if there was like a gas form or not. No, you just do the tax record research for us. So then I wish we knew the time frame of like when the kids were taken, like when Robin was taken. But then, you know, you know, shit kind of goes downhill for Finney after, you know, Robin was taken. And then that was his name, right, Robin? The kid he was helping with his math homework. So then he gets taken. And then you see, of course, the bullies are like, well, this kid's gone. Let's go fuck with Finney again. And they kick the shit out of his sister, too, because those those three kids, then Robin, Robin's been taken. He's gone. Those three kids are beating the shit out of Finney. And the sister comes over, and the one boy just feel-go kicks her face. And she's just, wow. And I thought, oh, my God. Was that after she bashed that kid in the head with a rock? Yeah, yeah. She came in to help. So bashed the one kid in the head with a rock. He's I shot, I thought she killed him. That's what I thought. I was like, is he dead? Because he was leaning against the thing and the blood starts flowing down. I'm like, oh my gosh, she just killed this and kid. And then she gets kicked in the head by the other boy, which was just crazy, brutal. And she goes and sits on the fence next and they just kind of look at each other like... Uh, that was a great part. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you kind of see the bond that the brother and sister had. They both go through this, but of course she was the younger sister, but she's taking it better, you know, and kind of stands up to her dad more. And they were talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. How he's like, oh, I could never watch that movie. My dad would never let me watch it or whatever. And then he goes home that night and his dad's passed out. And so he turns on some one of these movies. I don't know what it was, but it was like some horror movie. It was like a black and white, but the blood was red. That was kind of cool. I was watching. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was curious. And I need to look more into it, obviously. But 
I was curious if that was from an actual flick because it almost looked like something that was produced for this movie to be a movie on the TV, but I couldn't tell for sure. I'd like to know what that was. It'll be one of them things where people are like, you ever seen that movie that is in the movie Demons? And they're like, no. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you ever seen the movie that was in the movie The Black Phone? And they're like, is it a movie? I don't know. Maybe. That'd be cool to find out. I just watched Demons the other night. So after Robin's gone, then um, we finally get to see the Grabber shortly after that. Because the Grabber grabs Finny. He just black- oh, he drops his groceries. He's like, oh, fuck. You could tell it was set in the 70s because nobody's dropping a fucking dozen eggs right now at $3. <laughs> <a fucking dozen>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how bad you want to kidnap these kids. I'm not dropping this dozen fucking eggs. Uh, yep, different times. Well, because the sister, like we talked about her dreams a little bit and, you know, the police come to talk to her and find out that she she is seeing stuff that's going on. And then they talk about the black balloons at one point and they never released that to the public. So when Finney was getting kidnapped right there, do you think he knew? Did he know about the black balloons? Because that's literally the last thing he said. Because he was sitting there talking to this the grabber who had just dropped his groceries. And he was like, oh, you want to see a magic trick and all this stuff? And Finney's like, I felt like he was like, oh, shit, are those black balloons? Because he was like, he was like, are those black balloons? And it felt like he was going to fucking take off, you know. But then, you know, he, he grabbed him super quick and gassed him. So scary. And that was kind of smart how he did it. Because, you know, he just, he grabbed him, wrapped the balloons around him, sprayed him. And hell, you barely even saw Finney there, like, in amongst all the balloons. If someone were walking by, it would look like he's just struggling with this giant bundle of balloons. And then he tosses him in the back and lets the balloons go. So, like, that's kind of like his little calling thing, you know? Yeah, because they found some black balloons, like, stuck on the power lines at one of the abduction sites. That would be a cool prop to see. Like, maybe at some of these cons, if they bring the Abracadabra van around. Because I'm sure sure somebody owns it. Oh, unless it's just a prop. But I think they take more joy in props now, anyway, and kind of preserve them and... I wish they were red balloons instead of black balloons because every time I talk about this, I 99 red balloons pops in my head. 99 red balloons floating in the summer sky. Panic bears, it's red alert. There's something here from somewhere red. The war machine springs to life. Opens up one eager eye. Focusing it. Well, that's Pennywise. At a con, they could have a missing child poster in the lobby with a black balloon hanging above it. Have you seen this shit? Seen this kid? <laughs> so now, now, oh, I was gonna say, Finney gets taken. Finney gets taken, and we find out that he's like the uh, what fifth or sixth boy that has been taken. And you, you, you start to at that point, which I think he kind of knew before, but you start to realize, okay, he's grabbing, he, he's profiling. It's, it's. You know, pre-adolescent, young adolescent boys. And at that point, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, there there was a thing with Gwen, and this is when it clicked with me. Gwen had mentioned that one of the other boys that the grabber had grabbed when she was talking with the cops, she was like, when he grabbed whatever the kid's name was, that kid was tough. He would have beat the shit out of both of you talking to the cops. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I think the grabber is profiling and all of these young boys that he's grabbing, strong young boys. 
And if you think about it and look back at it, they were. I don't know about the paper boy because then kind of fast forwarding a little bit, you find out that like the first boy that we, we know of that he grabbed was a paper boy and there was no real backstory. But all the other kids were strong as far as physically strong. You know, they were all bullies or they all could fight. And then you look at Finney and he's not strong. You know what I mean? He gets the shit kicked out of him. He doesn't stand up for himself. But he is strong because he takes all that. He can take a punch. And I think it was almost Finney was different. And the grabber talks about, because he comes down now, Finney's locked up in his basement. He comes down and he keeps talking to Finney about, it's different this time. I don't know why. I'm confused. I'll leave that there and I'll get into more of my theory here in a little bit. But I almost wonder if he's profiling the stronger kids because he knows they can take the punishment. The baseball player... Like you said, we don't know about the paper boy. The big kid beat the piss out of those guys because they knocked over his pinball machine. Robin. And then is there another kid or is it Finney? No, then then it's Finney. Yeah. Living in that community, maybe knowing the kids or, you know, you hear maybe, oh, that Finney kid, he's he's abused. Or he got that feeling that Finney was obviously got some abuse issues from the past. That's why he wants to play this game. But maybe that's what he sensed that Finney was like him and was abused. He wasn't that tough kid that was always, I don't feel like Robin's dad's going to beat him. And that other kid, I don't think his dad's probably even around because he probably beat the piss out of him and he left. The one kid, the baseball player, his parents seemed like they would be nice people and do that kind of stuff, you know. No, I know. And if, 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 he, if he's profiling, then, yeah, he can sense that. Uh, Melissa and I talk about this with our daughters, just having kids in general in the crazy world we live in. We have discussions about, you know, are the kids going to be safe to go here? Are the kids going to be safe to go there? I hope nothing happens while they're at the basketball game or whatever, you know. And I I tell her all the time that I I actually think that bad people who do this kind of stuff, they can sense, they watch, they know what their targets are, you know what I mean? So they know that, okay, look, this is going to be an easy target, this kid, because they look like maybe they're sad or shy or not paying attention, you know, or whatever, you know, we're like our, our daughters, they all walk with their shoulders back and their head high and they have, they carry a sense of um, pride with them. You know, they don't look like targets when they go out in public, I guess is what I'm saying. So yeah, I wonder if it's kind of the same thing. Like the grabber is looking for specific types, but it's the opposite. He's not looking for the, the weird little quiet weak kid. You know, he wants a challenge, but why does he want that challenge? Well, and you kind of, you can kind of see he he looks like he's going to go into battle, like when he's sitting at the up there in the kitchen, like he takes his shirt off, you know, he gets ready, like like yeah, I think you're right. He wants a fight. I guess we'll see, like going forward. Hopefully, if we get another one, maybe we'll get a prequel on the grabber. See why he's is that way. And um, he comes down. Finney's locked up in the basement. The grabber comes down periodically to bring him food or to just watch him sleep or to have conversations with him. And then after the third or fourth visit, the grabber leaves, and he leaves the big, heavy, steel, bolted, chain-locked door open, just a crack. He doesn't close it all the way. And Finney sees it, and Finney's like, oh, he just fucked up. This is my chance to escape. And Finney goes to try to escape, and then the black phone that's on the wall that is not connected rings. And that's where we have our introduction of the paranormal. Finney goes and answers the phone, and it's one of the boys that has been abducted, which I think it was the paper boy. I think they kind of went in order of when they were abducted. And the paper boy says, don't go up those stairs. That's what he wants you to do. He's going to beat you mercilessly. 
um, with that belt. And then that's going to take him to his favorite part of this game. And he won't tell him what the favorite part of the game is. So the grabber did that on purpose. He wanted those boys to try to escape. And then he was going to ambush them and beat the shit out of them. And turn could justify what he was doing because they were being quote unquote naughty boys. Makes you wonder how far he would take it then. Like if one of the boys just didn't do anything. That's the problem he ran into with Finney. Up to that point, all, all the boys saw it and tried to take off. But Finney, for whatever reason, all these dead, abducted children calling through the phone, guiding him through it. And then it's kind of neat because every time he something else is going to happen, another phone, uh, he gets another call, that phone rings, and it's like, I left this wire hidden, or I started digging a tunnel through the floor from another boy. You see Finney use these things, like he uses the wire to try to climb up to the the window that's at the top of the basement wall, and he pulls this big thing down, this grate, and realizes he still can't get out. And he's kind of, he's frustrated, he's like, why are these phone calls, why are these these ghosts of these dead abducted boys telling me to do this stuff if it's not working? And that's what I loved about the end of the movie, is you, the way it's set up, you realize at the very end, none of those clues or none of those conversations meant to be used the way he was trying to. It was all to set up something else. You know, the trap and the tripwire and the hole. That hole wasn't for him to escape. That hole was for fast forwarding for the grabber to run, trip on the wire and fall in the hole and get stuck. You know, it was all like, it was, it was so neat how it built up and it just made sense towards the end. Some of the scariest parts though, were with the kids. Um, few little jump scares or maybe not jump scares, but when the phone rings and he's talking to one of the kids and then the camera pans and we see the kids in ghost form or dead form, you know, standing behind him. But it was so cool that the, the audio was still just on the phone. Like it, it sounded like a phone call. That was fucking cool. I love that. But yeah, the kid's voice, their mouth is moving, but you don't see it coming. You hear it on the phone, on the phone, like the whole, yeah. Like the recording of that or whatever. It was really cool. That paper boy. He's like, I don't remember my name. Like how sad is that, that they've been dead long enough that they don't remember. It's like the first thing to go was who they were, their personality and their, I like that layer too. It, it didn't really do anything to drive the story, but I loved that layer where, and then you, you saw that as it went on, that the kids that had been killed the, the most recently still remembered things. But yeah, the longer you were dead, the more and more you forgot. And that was kind of cool how they did that. Like it just showed how nature was like everybody's so focused on the new kid and forgetting about the first kid. That's very well played. Yeah. I wonder if that like a, uh... Tiffany watches a lot of stuff that's like Hispanic or Mexican based as people forget who you are in the afterlife as people that are alive, forget who you are, fade away. So I wonder if that's, you know, kind of part of it is as people forgot the first kid was missing, like he's fading away. No, I loved it though. The the whole setup of the games and stuff and teaching Finney how to be, take care of himself. But wouldn't you think, though, like it was one of the first things where he got the wire and he tried to climb the window, black, that grate fell out. Wouldn't you think the grabber would come in there and be like, where the fuck's the grate? Wouldn't he notice that there's no bars on the window anymore? Yeah, that, that was the, the one thing of the whole movie that I was like, uh, you know what I mean? But I'd have to go back and watch it again because I, I think there was like a day and a half or two days that had lapsed between the end of the movie and when that happened. Or was there? I can't remember. I, I'd have to go back and watch 
I felt like before the end, he never got far enough into the room to like look around for some odd reason. He always stopped like at the edge of the door. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if it was a, he felt safe or like didn't want to give the kid the opportunity to run past him or something, even though the front door was locked. But uh, I felt like he never went past the edge of that. Well, door. and see, I'm glad you brought that up because it goes along with my unfolding theory here. You notice the the very first phone call that Finney got, and Finney's like, "Oh my God, you're the paper boy," you know. And he was the the paper boy told him he says the grabber can hear the phone ring too, but he doesn't want to believe it's real. And that's the only time they say anything about that. And then the, the grabber actually mentioned it the first time he's got Finney down there and Finney wakes up and the grabber is down there the first time he talks to him. He says, oh, no, that, that phone on the wall doesn't work. It hasn't worked in years. He said it rang once when I was a boy, though, and it scared the hell out of me. I think he was scared of the grabber, was scared of that basement. The grabber was scared of that phone. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's why he never did go far into that room. You almost wonder if his father treated him like he's treating this kid's. Bingo, that's my theory. That's exactly what I thought when you were saying that, when you were talking about that, and that's the first time I really thought, like... It it, it hit me towards, uh, towards like, I saw the build up, and I was like, hmm. you know, and I'm like, well, maybe I'm just overthinking shit because I like to psychoanalyze stuff, especially movies, and I'm like, no. But then when it got to the end, I was like, I think, my opinion, is the grabber was abused as a boy, and either his father was a strong person, he wasn't the strong person his father wanted him to be. And that's why he would beat him. That's why he abducts these strong boys and he plays the game with them because the game was, he wants you to be the naughty boy. They kept referencing naughty boy. Mm -hmm. And if you do something you're not supposed to do, which is try to escape, you're being naughty, then he's going to punish you and beat the shit out of you. And then that gives him the green light to kill you. And I, I think that's what this whole thing was about. So I think there was actually more than an underlying theme of abuse. I think actually abuse is what is the storyline of the prevalent storyline of this movie. Do you think the grabber was an abducted kid from years ago? See, that could be too. Maybe the dad wasn't really his dad because, and then now his brother was living with him. And now I'm thinking about it. He made a comment about his brother. I want to go back and watch it now so I can see like, cause maybe it wasn't really his brother. I think it was his brother, but now his brother was a cokehead. And not that everybody who uses drugs is abused, but in this the world of this movie, typically, if, if you've been abused, then you tend to have more substance abuse issues or you tend to have you know all these things. So I was like, I wonder if their dad, or like you say, maybe they were abducted and raised by some different person, mm -hmm. you know, but the grabber is a psychopath reacting his childhood and his brother is a cokehead and... That was my favorite part of the movie is when he, the police come to the door and the brother's like, look at this map. Look, at, look, he's got to be in this area right here. And he's like, something along the lines of, he's like, my brother will be home soon. And the cop's like, well, you better clean up before he comes home. And there's like two lines of coke there on the thing. And the cops just leave. And then he sits down. He's like, eh. he sniffs it. Yeah, the, the little shot of coke on the table, because Melissa watches all these true crime things. And so you, you hear a lot about these... Um, citizens that try to get involved and they do they're like that every time i see them brought up in, a, in an interview they're all excited i think it's this and i think it's that so i thought that's what they were making fun of and yeah then i saw the lines in the table i was like oh that dude's just all you know cranked out but, i love how each kid just kind of you know sets the story and does a little bit more and it, and it, it is well placed because everything helps finney in the end like each little thing that the kid does you know one of the kids made the wire or made the line that he hid in the wall 
another one put the uh the bike lock padlock he scribbled it on the wall he just did the numbers and finney had to put that together the other kid broke through the wall and into a freezer but he couldn't get the freezer open but i think that was deliberate because the meat was in the freezer that finney needed at the end to be another way to escape the room and then you know the hole in the ground the grate coming off every single piece helped him escape yeah it, the whole movie was a puzzle the whole movie was a puzzle that had to be put together and then i love you know the the first kid the baseball player that hit the home run off of finney that became a theme he's like finney's got a strong he's like, your arm. arms met kid your arms met and they timed it up just right because fi- finney finally gets <laughs> what does he get he gets something wrapped around the grab I, so i guess we should probably explain but isn't it the phone cord? And then he has the cord. Because the, what was the his friend bully's name? The last kid that got abducted. Robin. Robin told him, fill the, fill the phone full of dirt to make it heavier. And they practiced Finney swinging it, which you see that in the trailer of the movie. So, yeah, he hits him in the head a couple times. But, yeah, then he wraps the phone cord around him, and he's getting ready. And he's choking the grabber, and the grabber's stuck in the hole in the ground, and he's freaking out, and he can't do anything. And then, the, the yeah, the baseball kid said, his arms, his arms mitt, crack, and he breaks his neck right there and that was something else too so when the grabber goes down and tries to get him and that whole action scene unfolds when finney hits him again with the phone i think it was after the grabber had fallen in the hole knocks his mask off and then the grabber freaked out and it was not because he was worried about being seen and profiled it was almost like he was vulnerable you guys remember that he freaked out he's no no and that's all he cared about at that moment he didn't care about getting out of the hole he just oh my face my face i'm exposed and so i wonder if that had something to do with the theory of things that happened to him when he was a kid and why he wears the mask and the whole punishment game so i hope there is a a sequel prequel to this because i want to see the build-up to why he is the way he is but when he abducts finney he doesn't have the mask on so that's another thing that kind of confuses me. Well, because I think he'd be, it'd be a sore thumb if he had a weird demon mask on with no, you know, but he does have his face covered up. Doesn't he have a scarf over his nose and the sunglasses and the top hat? He just has sunglasses. No, he didn't have that on yet. He just had the sunglasses and the hat. But I mean, I mean, his face was exposed, but no, no, no. Yeah, that mask definitely has something to do with past events or traumatic events in the grabber's life and the bottom part of the mask has three components it has one with no mouth just a smooth bottom of your face then it has one with um a smile and it has one with a not even a frown more like a an angry man i can't wait for those masks to come out you think that helped the movie though that you don't know a lot about the grabber like you don't get a story about him i do and i think i think it made it i think it made it more like a murder mystery you got to play along and try to figure this out. And so I've seen mixed reviews on this. I've seen more people like it than hate it. But everybody I've seen who have, have knocked this movie are like, oh, there's so many plot holes and it didn't make sense. And I, I think it's just that those people didn't take the time to play along with the movie. And they're used to entertainment is explained to them. And then they go about their day. This one you had to invest. You had to pay attention. It was almost like trying to figure out a crime. Yeah, never. We haven't talked anymore about the sister ever since Finney was, you know, abducted. Um, her dreams that that played a big part in it. You know, she went against her dad, talked to the police. You know, she went out trying to find places. She kept seeing these numbers in her dreams, and she kept praying to God, opening up her dollhouse with all her 
you know, her little Bible and her little crucifix and all the stuff in it. And then at one point gets pissed. Yeah. She, she curses God out. She's like, God, this is bullshit. What the fuck? She was like, I asked you for help and you gave me nothing. This is stupid. Well, she ends up finding the house. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then going and finding it, calling the police, you know, getting them there. And yeah, I knew something was up when they went in, when they went into the house and the house was empty. So I was like, oh no, they're never going to find him. It was a neat effect too, because you found out that the dead kids that were communicating to Finney, they weren't even necessarily talking directly to Finney. They were talking to her sister. Do you remember that? So the, the real crazy kid who like beat up the cops over the pinball game and all that kind of stuff, he was screaming and angry and he gets his and it goes down today. It's going to happen today. And you think he's talking to Finney like, hey, Finney, you're going to die today. But then they show it again like he was actually talking to the sister in her dream and pointing out right there. He points to the wall, which made no sense talking to Finney. But it was him showing her as she was riding her bike in the rain. And he goes right there, echoes in her head. And she goes, oh, there's the house. Uh, there's so many layers to this movie. I think that's why I love it. There's so many ways to look at it. And it's so many simple. It's simple. There's so many layers, but it's simple. Yeah, I can't wait for the next the release to come out, like on Blu-ray, DVD, whatever, so I can grab it and grab it. <laughs> but He's here all week. Tip your waiter. Well, I know you guys had talked about Joe. Is it Joe Hill? The guy's name that wrote the short story that this is based on. If he keeps doing stuff like this... At some point, it may be, oh, yeah, that guy, that uh, Joe Hill guy, you know, he's a Stephen King's son or, you know, something along those lines. Be like, oh, Stephen King, you know, that Stephen King that uh, Joe Hill's dad. The ref, the reference is going to go the other way. Yeah, it's going to flip the other way around. Like, oh, it'd be deserved already. I mean, he's he's doing great. It's interesting. If, if you watch anything that Joe Hill does. Stephen King has never been reported to be abusive. I don't think he ever beat his kids. I'm not even trying to plant that seed or anything. But I know that there was a, a big time in, in his career when his kids were young where uh, it's documented he was uh, addicted to alcohol. He was addicted to, you know, he had substance abuse issues. And he would lock himself away for long periods of time to get all screwed up and, and write some of these masterpieces that he wrote. And if you watch Joe Hill's stuff, there's, a, a, there's always this theme of, an abusive parent or abusive father. And I wonder if it's just him channeling that when he was a kid, how he felt dad's never around. Dad's all fucked up. He's in the other room writing this scary shit, you know? Uh, you know, Joe Hill accomplished actor too. in one of all of our favorite movies. What? Do you know what that is? I'm going to feel stupid when you tell me he was the kid in creep show, like <laughs> right at the opening of creep show with the magazine. See, same thing. Even then, he was killing his father with a voodoo doll. He's got a thing against dads. Well, so then Gwen, you know, leads the police to this house where they go in to try and find it. And it's weird. Like, why does he own two houses? I kind of want to see that go into more of it. I think it was so he could bury the bodies in the basement and it not smell. So he's, he's got torture room house and he's got burial ground house. Well, and then the police go in, they come out, and they realize he's not there, and all this is going on when Finney's taking care of the grabber, beating his ass, and going out escaping. And then, yeah, that end scene when, you know, the police are coming out and nobody's there, they don't find anything, and Gwen just turns around, and Finney's fucking standing across the street. So she was like, <laughs> I felt like she was like, is this a dream? No, I got the same vibe because when that all went down, I was like, I wonder if Finney's a ghost. 
I wonder if he's a ghost right now. And I did not know she's running across the street because it was also, I didn't figure out the two houses yet. And I was like, this is weird. I thought she was going to go right through them. And it wasn't until she made that physical contact and the cops come out and saw over there and pointed. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. There, there's two houses. I get Fantastic movie. And then the dad comes and they're sitting on the edge of the ambulance and he's apologizing. He's sorry for everything. Tearjerker for me. You could still he see he was a loving dad. You know, when Finney got taken, he it affected him. And then it goes into more of the story of like the mom. I think that after he's taken is when we find out about the mom and why the dad feels that way about the dreams, how it, you know, fucked him up and what happened to their mom. I, I tell you what, I caught the belt for my dad a couple of times when I was a kid. I did not catch the belt like she did in the movie. You know what I mean? And it was only a couple times for me. But no, I, I know what you're saying. It's uh, you, you could tell that the dad gave a shit and you could tell that he wanted to reconcile. Like Brian, Brian, like, yeah, he had demons that were winning. And uh, Brian, like you say, at the end, it was kind of a tearjerker where he wants to reconcile. You know, the police all, all the cameras are around and the police chief is like talking about how these two detectives have brought to an end the grabber's reign of terror. And I was like, fuck them guys. It was that little girl. They didn't fucking do nothing. <laughs> yeah. They didn't do shit. Yeah, because in the beginning of the movie, they didn't want to believe her. They thought that she knew something or was covering up from somebody. And she's like, no, it's my dreams. And they're like, shut up. By the middle middle end of the movie, they're like, okay, let's go let's go talk to our, uh, let's go consult with our expert. Okay, where do we go to next, little girl? What did your dream tell you? I love that the grabber's brother kind of caught on at the end there, too. And caught an axe to the head. And then he goes downstairs and sees him. He's like, no fucking way. I'm like, dude, you're wasting time. You're about to get it. Didn't end well for him. And that's what I was saying about the brother. Like, are they really related? Like, what did he say when he killed him? I forget. Like, He referenced him as his brother. He said something about, oh, he's, I, I forget the guy, Phil. I don't, I'm speaking a name. Phil is always stupid. You know, oh, well, I love you, Phil, but damn it, you're dumb. Get out of my way. You made me kill my favorite brother. <laughs> what do you guys think, man, as far as, as far as rating this movie? Um, I, it seems like we all enjoy it. What do you think, Jason? What do you rate it? Fantastic. I mean, I don't want to go like, oh my God, I don't care. 10, 10 broken, broken ankles <laughs> in, in a good way. Broken ankles as good, I guess, is my rating. Uh, it was just, it was a great movie. I was enjoy, I enjoyed it. The hype was actually real with it. I was excited for it for about a year, I guess now. It didn't disappoint. It leaves me wanting more. I can't wait for the Blu-ray to come out. I want to watch it again. Maybe I'll go to the theater again. Who knows? But great movie. What about you, Clint? What do you think? <sighs> I'm going to go with... Uh, I actually struggled with this one because I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie also. I got to see firsthand how it affected somebody. Um, the visual storytelling, the story. Um, I saw the layers, but yet it was simple. I'm not going to give it a 10, although I think it's it's close to being pretty damn deserving. I'm going to go with like a... I don't, I'm going to nine. I'm going to say nine. I was going to say like eight and a half to eight and three quarters, you know, 8.75, but I'm going to go to nine. Uh, collect calls from the other side. I, I think the only reason I'm not, the only reason I'm not going to give it a solid 10 is um, I, I can't say enough good things about this movie, but I also don't think that it is ever going to be that Jaws or that Halloween or that the Exorcist. I don't think it's quite at that impact 
pop culture and get wormed. And I don't think I don't think it's going to wind up being that movie where every time you hear a black phone ring in a department store, you're going to go, oh, is it a ghost calling? Well, maybe now that I said it, it will be that way. I don't know. Damn good movie. Uh, I, I hope they come out with a prequel for this. Spoiler alert again, if you've gone this far with us, the grabber got killed by Finney at the end. So unless they bring him back as a zombie, which would be really fucking stupid, then the movie's going to be a prequel. I hope I hope to see more from this. Brian? When we were leaving, I was like, oh, that was great. It was a 10 out of 10. And my son was like, that movie was awful. It was good, but it was awful. Kind of thought about it. and I'm like you, Clint. I don't think it'll ever be like one of those that are like, oh, this is a classic. One of the issues it has is the rewatch. You already know all the stuff that's happened, so it kind of takes out of the rewatch value. Like, you could watch Jaws. You don't, you know, all of Jaws. You don't care. All the little parts of this movie that went into it, like the grate, and the hole, freezer, and wire, you all know all of that now, so it kind of takes away from maybe the rewatch of it. Like, eight out of 10 black balloons. Not 99 red balloons? No, not 99 red balloons. And the other thing that happened after I watched this movie, I went and saw the Elvis movie. So that's always hard when you like go see a couple movies in the week and you're like, oh, I love the Elvis movie. So I was like, it was kind of hard to be like, oh, well, Elvis was better than that. How could I say it's a 10 out of 10 if I think the Elvis is a 10 out of 10? They both can't be like amazing. I mean, I guess they can, but I really love the Elvis movie. So I'm looking forward to a rewatch for this, at least for one or two times to go back and see the, I'm sure there's little Easter eggs or little things that I've missed um, <clears throat> and see if my theories are correct. It, it, I don't know if it's like this with all Joe Hill stuff, but um, Boots and I, we like to watch. I, I know I keep calling her Boots and it throws me because that's not my daughter's name, but it's so you know who I'm talking about. Boots and I love to watch Lock and Key and season three, the final season's coming out. And um, I, I bought her all the, the, the graphic novels and stuff so she could read, which explores the story more. But I like going back and rewatching some of those because same thing. It's so layered and so much happens. I want to see, did I miss something? And a lot of times you will, you'll pick up on something that'll make sense or add to the story. So yeah, I'm looking forward to a, to a rewatch. Did you guys stay for the end of the credits? Yep. No. So I didn't, I typically do. I typically do with the person I saw the movie with wanted to get out of there. And um, I kept saying, I bet you that the phone's going to ring at the end of the credits. Did a phone ring at the end of the credits? Uh, I believe there was something after the end of the credits. I need to know if it was a phone ringing. All right, well, so anybody listening to this show, I need a couple questions answered. If you could send us a message at ilikeaspookypod at gmail.com or hit one of our socials, I need to know two things. If you know, at the end of the credits, black phone, was there a phone ringing? It's going to settle a bet for me. And if you remember earlier in the episode, we were talking about the cryptid stuff, and I, I cannot figure out the term for the theory of spiders or worms or insects or whatever taking over humankind. If anybody knows the answers to these, please tell me. I wish I would have stayed now, like just to show that, hey, it's still... I guess we'll find out when the release comes out, if they do it again or... Yeah, I love the movie, and I can't wait for a rewatch, and I need to know the answer to that question, but I'm not going to go pay to see it at the theater again. I'll wait for it to come out. Are you talking like just at the end of the credits you heard a phone ring? Yeah, I know it's stupid, but I was just like, I bet you at the end of the end of the movie there's going to be a phone ring and almost like, hey, the line's still there. Maybe it's the grabber calling you now, or maybe it's, you know. Did you? So you didn't stay for the end either, Clint? No, that's what I was saying. I wanted to, but. but. Oh, okay. I was about to say, you should know. <laughs> like, I get you. See, we all failed. We've all failed. 
we rated the movie, but we failed to stay to the end. And I stayed till the end, but I forgot. Let's not fail our podcast network, the PFPN, and let's hear from them. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now we've heard from our podcast network. Let's see what we're all up to. What do you got going on, Jason? Anything coming up? In a couple weeks, uh, we all got flashback weekend coming up. Up in Chicago, I'm surprised it's already coming pretty quick. Uh, First weekend in August, I believe. We're all going, staying for the whole weekend. I'm excited to see how that goes. I love flashback. One of my favorite. The very first horror con that I've ever been to was years ago. was a flashback up in Chicago. I'm excited for that. Nothing else really going on. Just working, living. I looked and I'm going to be getting like, I think it's eight autographs at flashback, which typically when I go to a convention, there's one or two people. But I was looking, I was like, there's about eight different autographs that I want to get there. Damn. I'm different. There's two people that I'm excited for is all so it'll probably change by the time i get there i'll probably leave with 20 but you never know what about you guys let's see here by the time this episode comes out i'm gonna be just getting back from my uh my wonderful restful camping trip up north so hopefully i am re-energized and recharged uh because the following weekend and which will be the this next weekend from when you hear this this episode will be Days of the Dead in Indianapolis. <clears throat> and then, like I said, the weekend after that is Motor City Nightmares in Detroit. And the weekend after that is Flashback, where we're all going to be. I've got, with those three back-to-back-to-back shows, I typically, with inkmirrors.com, I restock shirts in between shows. That, that way I'm not sitting on a lot of product. I can kind of keep my costs down. But with those three shows, they're all real big three-day headlining shows back-to-back-to-back. So I went ahead and had Sticker Shock and spent a lot more up front than what I'm used to at one time. So I've got piles of blank T-shirts sitting behind me that I'm going to be at this time running, hopefully finishing up. That way I'm stocked for all three shows. Um, Yeah, trying to make some money to spend all the money on all the autographs and all the more toys that I'm going to be buying. Brian, you got anything happening? So when this episode comes out, it'll be the July 17th. So that week, we're going to take a little trip. We were going to go to Indiana, but gas prices and kind of stuff kind of squashed that. And we decided to stay a little closer to home. So we're going to we're gonna go over to Iowa, Iowa City, and stay for a couple days. And then on the 21st through the 24th, I believe. No, 24th. 21st through the 23rd is a Snake Alley Festival film in Burlington, Iowa. Friday, the 22nd, I will be appearing on the big screen for the first time. And a short that my buddy did called a Tony. I think it's a little documentary. And then on that Saturday night, they have a what's called Snaff After Dark. So no kids allowed, adult stuff, you know, scary movies and nudity and stuff like that in it. And that's at nine o'clock on Saturday night. So I'll be there those two days. And it uh, sounds like a uh, Tad, my buddy from Attack of the Killer podcast, has a 
one of the guys from uh, A Quiet Place coming. Scott Beck, I believe, is coming to do a panel on that Saturday night. So that'll be fun. So just over to Burlington a couple times and then just try to save money for flashback. So just for the record, if I was not already booked to be at Days of the Dead, I would come over for that just to see your your uh, big screen debut. My ugly mug on the TV. Right, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and I see it when you call sometimes, and it scares me. I see your picture, and I go, ah, oh, okay. Whew. I thought it was a cryptid. I thought it was a cryptid, but it's just Brian. But no, you have to let me know how I can see this. I don't know if like you guys can send me a copy or, if, hell, I even pay if it's like a DVD. I, I want to see it. Yeah, I think they'll put it on YouTube after the fact. It's like a seven-minute short. It's kind of a fun. I was over at a convi- uh, comic book convention. They're like, you want to be in the movie? Shot her low part and got it down to the film festival there. How much are you charging for your autograph? Five cents. I still can't afford that because I'm poor. It's overpriced. Jason, can you buy his autograph for me, please? Hey, so we well, we got something else. We got something else going on real quick. Uh, we're going to go back for the next episode. We're going to go back to the four choices. We've actually only had an opportunity to do that once. Uh, since the show here was kind of reformatted, and that's because we had specific things going on, whether it was a convention or you know joining the network and stuff like that. So we're going to kind of go with a summertime theme. We're going to put stuff out there on the socials. Uh, you can find I Like It Spooky on Facebook. You can find it on Instagram, on Twitter. It is I Like It Spooky. No, yeah, I Like It Spooky underscore, right? Help me there. Mm-hmm. Help me. I Like It underscore Spooky on Twitter. Or if you want, you can always send us an email at ilegatspookypod at gmail.com. But the four choices for the next episode, all summer-themed, are going to be Return of the Living Dead, which today is Return of the Living Dead Day, July 3rd, uh, Maximum Overdrive, The Incredible Melting Man, or The Wraith. So let us know what you think. Drop a comment. Send a message. Tell us your least favorite. I don't care. Let, it, let us know what you guys think, and we'll... Uh, that's the movie we'll cover, the one that gets the most happiness. Yeah, it's a great choices. Shit, they could all get equal votes, and we'll have a three-hour show covering all four of these movies. If, if y'all are down to listen to us talk for three hours about shit, then pick all four. Just know that at some point, it's going to be paused for a cigarette and a bathroom break. Okay, everybody. Thanks for checking out this episode of I Like a Spooky Podcast. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>